Chapter Four: Moses in Egypt, Part Five of the Legends of the Jews, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman. The Legends of the Jews, Volume Two, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. The Flight. An angel of God took Moses to a spot removed forty days' journey from Egypt, so far off that all fear was banished from his mind. Indeed, his anxiety had never been for his own person, but only on account of the future of Israel. The subjugation of his people had always been an unsolved enigma to him. Why should Israel, he would ask himself, suffer more than all the other nations. But when his personal straits initiated him in the tail-bearing and backbiting that prevailed among the Israelites, then he asked himself, Does this people deserve to be redeemed? The religious conditions among the children of Israel were of such kind at the time as not to permit them to hope for divine assistance. They refused to give ear to Aaron and the five sons of Zerah, who worked among them as prophets, and admonished them unto the fear of God. It was on account of their impiety that the heavy hand of Pharaoh rested upon them more and more oppressively, until God had mercy upon them, and sent Moses to deliver them from the slavery of Egypt. When he succeeded in effecting his escape from the hands of the hangman, Moses had no idea that a royal throne awaited him. It was nevertheless so. A war broke out at this time between Ethiopia and the nations of the East that had been subject to it until then. Kikanos, the king, advanced against the enemy with a great army. He left Balaam and Balaam's two sons, Jannes and Jambres, behind, to keep guard over his capital and take charge of the people remaining at home. The absence of the king gave Balaam the opportunity of winning his subjects over to his side, and he was put upon the throne, and his two sons were set over the armies as generals. To cut Kikanos off from his capital, Balaam and his sons invested the city, so that none could enter it against their will. On two sides they made the walls higher. On the third they dug a network of canals, into which they conducted the waters of the river girding the whole land of Ethiopia, and on the fourth side their magic arts collected a large swarm of snakes and scorpions. Thus none could depart, and none could enter. Meantime Kikanos succeeded in subjugating the rebellious nations. When he returned at the head of his victorious army, and espied the high city wall from afar, he and his men said, The inhabitants of the city, seeing that the war detained us abroad for a long time, have raised the walls and fortified them, that the kings of Canaan may not be able to enter. On approaching the city gates, which were barred, they cried out to the guards to open them, but by Balaam's instructions they were not permitted to pass through. A skirmish ensued in which Kikanos lost one hundred and thirty men. 
on the morrow the combat was continued the king with his troops being stationed on the thither bank of the river this day he lost his thirty riders who mounted on their steeds had attempted to swim the stream then the king ordered rafts to be constructed for the transporting of his men when the vessels reached the canals they were submerged and the waters swirling round and round as though driven by mill wheels swept away two hundred men twenty from each raft on the third day they set about assaulting the city from the side on which the snakes and scorpions swarmed but they failed to reach it and the reptiles killed one hundred and seventy men the king desisted from attacking the city but for the space of nine years he surrounded it so that none could come out or go in while the siege was in progress moses appeared in the king's camp on his flight before pharaoh and at once found favor with kikanos and his whole army he exercised an attraction upon all that saw him for he was slender like a palm tree his countenance shone as the morning sun and his strength was equal to a lion's so deep was the king's affection for him that he appointed him to be commander-in-chief of his forces at the end of the nine years kikanos fell prey to a mortal disease and he died on the seventh day of his illness his servants embalmed him buried him opposite to the city gate towards the land of egypt and over his grave they erected a magnificent structure strong and high upon the walls whereof they engraved all the mighty deeds and battles of the dead king now after the death of kikanos his men were greatly grieved on account of the war one said unto the other counsel us what shall we do at this time we have been abiding in the wilderness away from our homes for nine years if we fight against the city many of us will fall dead and if we remain here besieging it we shall also die for now all the princes of aram and the children of the east will hear that our king is dead and they will attack us suddenly and they will fight with us until not a remnant will be left now therefore let us go and set a king over us and we will remain here besieging the city until it surrenders unto us the legends of the jews volume two by rabbi lewis ginsburg the king of ethiopia they could find none except Moses fit to be their king. They hastened and stripped off each man his upper garment, and cast them all in a heap upon the ground, making a high place, on top of which they set Moses. Then they blew with trumpets and called out before him, Long live the king! Long live the king! and all the people and the nobles swore unto him to give him Adoniah for wife, the Ethiopian queen, the widow of Kikanos, and they made Moses king over them on that day. They also issued a proclamation, commanding every man to give Moses of what he possessed, and upon the high place they spread a sheet, 
wherein each one cast something, this one a gold nose-ring, that one a coin, an onyx stones, bdellium, pearls, gold, and silver, in great abundance. Moses was twenty-seven years old when he became king over Ethiopia, and he reigned for forty years. On the seventh day of his reign all the people assembled and came before him, to ask his counsel as to what was to be done to the city they were besieging. The king answered them, and said, If you will hearken to my words, the city will be delivered into our hands. Proclaim with a loud voice throughout the whole camp unto all the people, saying, Thus saith the king, Go to the forest and fetch hither of the young of the stork, each man one fledgling in his hand. And if there be any man that transgresseth the word of the king, not to bring a bird, he shall die, and the king shall take all belonging to him. And when you have brought them, they shall be in your keeping. You shall rear them until they grow up, and you shall teach them to fly as the hawk flieth. All the people did according to the word of Moses, and after the young storks had grown to full size, he ordered them to be starved for three days. On the third day the king said unto them, Let every man put on his armor, and gird his sword upon him. Each one shall mount his horse, and each shall set his stork upon his hand, and we will rise up and fight against the city, opposite to the place of the serpents. When they came to the appointed spot, the king said to them, Let each man send forth his young stork to descend upon the serpents. Thus they did, and the birds swooped down and devoured all the reptiles and destroyed them. After the serpents were removed in this way, the men fought against the city, subdued it, and killed all its inhabitants. But of the people besieging it, there died not one. When Balaam saw that the city had fallen into the hands of the besiegers, he exercised his magic arts, which enabled him to fly through the air, and he carried with him his two sons, Janes and Jambres, and his eight brothers, and they all took refuge in Egypt. Seeing that they had been saved by the king, and the city had been taken by his good counsel, the people became more than ever attached to him. They set the royal crown upon his head, and gave him Adoniah, the widow of Kikanos, to wife. But Moses feared the stern god of his fathers, and he went not in unto Adoniah, nor did he turn his eyes toward her for he remembered how Abraham had made his servant Eliezer swear, saying unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife for my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. He also remembered what Isaac did when Jacob fled before his brother Esau, how he commanded his son, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, nor ally thyself by marriage with any of the children of Ham, for the Lord our God gave Ham, the son of Noah, and all his seed as slaves to the children of Shem and Japheth for ever. 
At that time Aram and the children of the east heard that Kikanos, the king of Ethiopia, had died, and they rose up against the Ethiopians. But Moses went forth with a mighty army to fight against the rebellious nations, and he subdued them, first the children of the east, and then Aram. Moses continued to prosper in his kingdom. He conducted the government in justice, righteousness, and integrity, and his people loved and feared him. In the fortieth year of his reign, while he was sitting upon his throne one day, surrounded by all the nobles, Adoniah the queen, who was seated before him, rose up and spake. What is this thing which you, the people of Ethiopia, have done these many days? Surely you know that during the forty years this man hath reigned over you. He hath not approached me, nor hath he worshipped the gods of Ethiopia. Now therefore let this man reign over you no more, for he is not of our flesh. Behold, Monarchos my son is grown up, let him reign over you. It is better for you to serve the son of your lord than a stranger, a slave of the king of Egypt. The whole day the people and the nobles contended with one another, whether to pay heed to the words of the queen. The officers of the army remained faithful to Moses, but the people of the cities were in favor of crowning the son of their former lord as king. The following morning they rose up and made Monarchos, the son of Kikanos, king over them, but they were afraid to stretch forth their hand against Moses for the Lord was with him. They also remembered the oath they had sworn unto Moses, and therefore they did him no harm. Moreover they gave many presents to him, and dismissed him with great honor. When Moses left Ethiopia in the sixty-seventh year of his age, it was the time appointed by God in the days of old to bring Israel forth from the affliction of the children of Ham. But fearing to return to Egypt on account of Pharaoh, Moses journeyed to Midian. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg Jethro In the city of Midian, named thus for a son of Abraham by Keturah, the man Jethro had lived for many years doing a priest's service before the idols. As time went on, he grew more and more convinced of the vanity of idol worship. His priesthood became repugnant to him, and he resolved to give up his charge. He stood before his townsmen and said, Until now I performed your service before the idols, but I have grown too old for the duties of the office. Choose, therefore, whomever you would choose in my place. Speaking thus, he delivered to the people all the paraphernalia appertaining to the idol worship, and bade them transfer them to the one to whom in their discretion they should entrust his position. Suspecting Jethro's hidden motives, the people put him under the ban, and none might venture to do him the slightest service. Not even would the shepherds pasture his flocks, and there was nothing for him to do but impose this work upon his seven daughters. 
Jethro's transformation from an idolatrous priest into a God-fearing man is conveyed by his seven names. He was called Jether, because the Torah contained an additional section about him. Jethro, he overflowed with good deeds. Hobab, the beloved son of God. Reuel, the friend of God. Heber, the associate of God. Putiel, he that hath renounced idolatry. And Kenai, he that was zealous for God, and acquired the Torah. In consequence of the hostile relation between Jethro and the inhabitants of the city, his daughters were in the habit of making their appearance at the watering troughs before the other shepherds came thither. But the ruse was not successful. The shepherds would drive them away, and water their own flocks at the troughs that the maidens had filled. When Moses arrived in Midian, it was at the well that he made halt and his experience was the same as Isaac's and Jacob's. Like them, he found his help meet there. Rebekah had been selected by Eleazar as the wife of Isaac, while she was busy drawing water for him. Jacob had seen Rachel first, while she was watering her sheep, and at this well in Midian Moses met his future wife, Zipporah. The rudeness of the shepherds reached its climax, the very day of Moses' arrival. First they deprived the maidens of the water they had drawn for themselves, and attempted to do violence to them, and then they threw them into the water with intent to kill them. At this moment Moses appeared, dragged the maidens out of the water, and gave the flocks to drink, first Jethro's, and then the flocks of the shepherds though the latter did not deserve his good offices. True, he did them the service with but little trouble to himself, for he had only to draw a bucketful, and the water flowed so copiously that it sufficed for all the herds, and it did not cease to flow until Moses withdrew from the well, the same well at which Jacob had met Rachel, his future wife, and the same well that God created at the beginning of the world the opening of which he made in the twilight on the first Sabbath eve. Jethro's daughters thanked Moses for the assistance he had afforded them, but Moses warded off their gratitude, saying, Your thanks are due to the Egyptian I killed, on account of whom I had to flee from Egypt. Had it not been for him, I should not be here now. End of chapter 4 Part 5